Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Liquidity, or lack thereof, is one drawback to investing in opportunity zones, but on today's episode, we'll be discussing a potential solution to this drawback as I speak with Brandon Lakoff, CEO of Bellpoint OZ, which has just launched the first and only publicly traded opportunity zone fund. Brandon joins us today from Greenwich, Connecticut. Brandon, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jimmy, for having me. So pretty exciting day here. We're recording this uh, a couple days before it's going to go live. And just a few hours ago, Bellpoint OZ made history by launching the first publicly traded Opportunity Zone fund. It's listed on NYSE American under ticker symbol OZ. Tell us a little bit about that. How did that all unfold? Yeah, so we saw a unique opportunity to have a publicly traded Opportunity Zone structure really back in early 18. And we actually launched a publicly traded REIT in 2019 that was uh, publicly traded uh, on the OTCQX market, which is over-the-counter market. And that's been trading for about two years. And then in, at the end of 2019, when the regulations for Opportunity Zone got finalized in December of 2019, that's when we realized we had the opportunity to convert our structure from a REIT structure to a publicly traded partnership structure. And that's, we've been working on that for the last almost a year and a half to convert our structure from the REIT structure to the publicly traded partnership structure, which is now listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Good. I want to talk a lot more about that in a few minutes and the benefits that it provides to the investing public, the ability to invest in a publicly traded Opportunity Zone Fund. But first, I want to get a little bit more about uh, your background, Brandon. Can you tell us a little bit about you uh, and the team that you've built at Bellpoint? Yeah, so Bellpoint is a multi-billion dollar family office. It's my family office. We have 13 different lines of businesses from insurance companies to wealth management business, which is a $3 billion wealth management AUM business, to the real estate business, which we're talking about today, which is the Opportunity Zone. And we've been doing real estate for the last 20 years. Our team, our former Avalon Bay, which is Avalon being the largest multifamily development uh, company on the New York Stock Exchange, and kind of bringing from private equity, real estate investing expertise to what the different avenues of our business. So we've been headquartered out of Greenwich for the last 20 years, and we have offices around the country, and we're doing all different kinds of investments from private equity to real estate to wealth management business. So we're pretty diversified. And your qualified opportunity fund, which has been up and running for a couple of years now, but has only just recently been transitioned to being a publicly traded offering. What is the investment thesis behind that OZ fund? What types of properties are you investing in? Yeah. So if you look at our, our old private equity structure that we had even before opportunities were even around in 2012 to 2017, when we invested that capital, 91% of our investments were actually in opportunity zones. Now, we didn't get the tax benefits for Opportunity Zones because opportunities weren't alive at that point. But we've always been investing in these areas that, that are going through revitalization and real change 
and we see the upside of, of investing in these communities. So this is something we've been doing for a long time. Because of our Avalon Bay team, our team joined Bellpoint in 2010. And coming out of the 2009-2010 recession, we wanted to be investing in uh, multifamily. So we really acquired another company that had a bunch of former Avalon Bay professionals in it in 2010. And they've been with me for the last 11 years. And really our focus was always multifamily. We felt multifamily had the best asset class, the best reward risk ratio. And so we've been investing in, in multifamily for the last 11 years and really continuing that expertise in the opportunity zone in, in the multifamily space. So really multifamily is, is where 85 to 90% of our investment capital goes to. Gotcha. Let's get back to, um, let's get back to the structure of your fund. Cause you guys, uh, were, I think you were one of the first ones to structure your OZ fund originally out of the shoot as a REIT. As, uh, as we mentioned a minute ago, and now you've restructured it into a public real estate partnership or a prep. Why the switch there? Before 2019, the restructure was the only structure that worked for multi, for multi asset in a structure, in an opportunity zone structure. So, as you, if you remember, back in 18, 2019, opportunity zone funds were really deal by deal basis and they had a, a separate QOF per deal. And we wanted to have more diversification. We wanted to allow diversification to happen. So some people had partnerships, but they had like different series, but they weren't combined into one structure. Well, the IRS and the Treasury fixed that at the end of 2019. And then when that happened, we realized that having the, the publicly traded partnership structure would be a much better structure. A, you get the depreciation to pass to flow down to shareholders. B, the benefit in a partnership structure allowed, before you didn't, you weren't allowed to have multiple assets and have the, the tax benefit OZ to flow to the investor. So that got fixed. So that was another reason why we were able to make that change. But one of the big reasons of why we made the change in structure was to allow ourselves to raise more capital. And then the other reason was to acquire other QOFs. By acquiring other QOFs, we will be able to roll up other stabilized opportunity zone deals and making those acquisitions and still keeping the tax benefits for those shareholders who were, were acquiring, but also keep those tax benefits for our shareholders. So allowing us to have this publicly traded partnership, it allowed us to roll up a lot of opportunity zone assets that are already built and stabilized by other opportunity zone funds. Oh, that's fascinating. So I want to I get back to that point in a few more minutes here, but I want to talk about how unique this is that you guys are now publicly listed offering some liquidity on the open market. How does it work for an investor exactly? I guess I can just fire up my brokerage account and search for ticker symbol OZ, click the buy button. I don't have to be accredited or how else does this differ from a typical qualified opportunity fund, which to date or as of a few hours ago, pretty much were entirely just private placement offerings. Exactly. So you can simply log on to your brokerage account and buy the stock. You don't need to be a credit investor. Um, it's really open to for, for everybody. So you simply have to just buy one share, which is trading just over a hundred dollars a share right now, and you become a you know qualified opportunity zone investor. Simple as that. And then what kind of tax reporting would an investor receive from Bellpoint OZ? So when it comes for tax purposes, you're at the end of the year you'll get a K one in March, just like any other opportunity zone fund that's a, so you're gonna get a K one like anybody else, even if it's a private private structure. So you'll get a K one in March. And additional reporting, because we're a publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange, 
you'll get the same level reporting as an Apple or a Google or a Tesla, obviously 10 Qs, 10 Ks, 8 Ks. So you'll get much better transparency because we are a publicly traded company, obviously being overseen by the SEC. Right. And then the burden of tying the amount invested back to a capital gain that's still within its deadline window, so to speak, 180-day deadline window, is that burden falls to the investor and his accounting team, I would suppose, still. You guys obviously can't do that through the publicly traded offering, like maybe some other funds might if they're able to work one-on-one with investors just coming through a brokerage account. So you don't have that level of visibility into the investor, I I suppose. Is that right? That's correct. So just like any other opportunity zone structure, you're imposing that responsibility on the investor itself. So that investor has 180 days to make their investment. And, and then at the end of the year, when they file their tax returns, they'll make the election on their personal tax return. So it's no different than any other opportunity zone structure where make, you're actually making the investment, except for you don't have to fill out a subscription, you don't have to mail a check or any of that stuff. You simply just buy it like you'd buy any other publicly traded company. Right. That makes sense. So why aren't there more of these? And why has it taken so long? You know, the first opportunity zone funds started hitting the marketplace uh, middle of 2018, right after the zones were certified by Treasury. Why has it taken this long to get a qualified opportunity fund listed on the public market? And, and why are you guys the only one so far? Well, our publicly traded structure was actually launched in 2019. That was our REIT structure. So we've been actually been around for about two years with our publicly traded company. However, we decided to convert the structure from a REIT structure to a publicly traded partnership structure. About We decided about a year ago, about a year and a half ago, and obviously today was our, was our IPO. And so obviously we're, we're moving forward. So why is there no one else? I think for a bunch of reasons, I think people haven't figured out how to structure it. I think there will be people who will take our model and, and probably copy our model. I think it also depends how the people raise capital. You also have to have a certain size. So you can't just IPO if you just have a small fund. So I think it's getting the right structure, it's size, it's having distribution. There's many different pieces. It's also expensive. We have in-house legal, so we're able to do it for much cheaper cost. I think some around 10% of what it costs for a third party to do it with third party vendors. But a typical structure would probably cost two to $3 million, where for us it costs around two to 300,000. So I think it's a lot of it with cost. I think a lot of it with timing, but it took us over a year to get through this process with the FTC. So I think it's timing, cost, and many other factors why it prohibits most investors or most sponsors to have a publicly traded structure. And what are some of the other benefits of having this structure? And if you wouldn't mind, if you attack that from three different points of view, one from the sponsor angle, from your firm's angle, two from your investor's And then three, and you mentioned this briefly a minute ago, what are some of the benefits for other qualified opportunity funds if you were to come in and acquire them? Yeah, so for us as a sponsor, we're able, and I guess this kind of goes into your first two parts. For a sponsor investor, because of our structure, it allows us as sponsor to charge less fees per shareholder. So our overall fee structure is 70 to 75% less than our competitors. So we're charging, instead of the typical two and 20 model, and a lot of opportunity zone funds have lowered their costs a little bit, maybe to one and a half percent management fee to a, uh, and also like a 15% carried interest, but we've seen it all the way up to 25% carried interest. With our structure, we're charging only 75 basis points, which is half the cost of any other opportunity zone structure out there on a management fee basis. 
on a carried interest or promote basis, we're charging only 5%, which is a third to, to uh, a third the cost or even sometimes even a quarter of the cost compared to our competitors. Because like I said, our competitors are charging anywhere from 15, 25% promote or carried interest. So I think having our structure and having a lower cost structure is allows us to grow a structure that's much larger and give better diversification to our shareholders. And diversification is an important factor in investing in, in any asset class. So having a portfolio of a multifamily or opportunity zone investments, we think is important in both us as a sponsor, but also important for our investors. The other important thing for our investors is in our structure, we put the power and the control of the exit into our shareholders' hands, into our investors' hands. Because of that, they can choose if they want to exit early, they can exit early. They don't have to wait the full 10 years. If they just want the reduction in the, the capital gain and wait the five years, they can get the 10% step-up basis, which gives them a reduction in capital gain and just exit after five years. If an investor just chooses to leave on the exact day of their 10-year anniversary, they can do that. They have that power and that control to exit whenever they choose to. If they want to hit their 10-year anniversary, get the full opportunity zone benefit and leave, that day they can. But more importantly, and, and vast majority of our shareholders all want to stay in for longer than 10 years or even 10, 12 years, which is the typical holding period that these other funds are going to have. They can turn around and hold this as long as they want because we don't have an end life like a closed-end private equity fund structure we're open-ended and you have this investment as long as you want. So just like any other stock like Apple, Google, IBM, other publicly traded companies, you're not forced to liquidate the funds like a typical opportunity zone fund would do after a certain period of time. So our shareholders are looking to hold 15, 20 plus years on this investment because they're getting distributions on a quarterly basis and they're getting uh, growth that's tax-free. So getting that tax-free benefit is a huge benefit. And also on the distributions, most of those distributions, if not all the distributions, are going to be tax-free because of the depreciation that's going to be flowing through the K-1 and to the shareholders. So most, if not all, shareholders will have tax-free distributions and also tax-free growth as long as they hold that stock for 10 years. For other opportunities on the third part, the other opportunities on funds, the benefit for them, those sponsors and those investors, is to emerge through an acquisition with us to be able to get better diversification for their shareholders, continue the opportunity zone tax benefits for their shareholders. Plus, our shareholders are still going to get the tax benefit opportunity zone. Even though we're not building that project, the target investors who, who we acquired, it's still going to get the tax benefits. So it's a win-win-win. Everybody gets opportunity zone benefits. And then the sponsored itself will be able to exit much faster than they would in a typical 10-year hold because the sponsor, by getting acquired by us, they're going to be able to get their promote anywhere from seven to eight years faster than, than if they just held the, the, the asset and just waited the full 10-year period. They'll be able to get an exit today, get their cash today, and then the, their shareholders will be able to roll into our stock and get the diversification, get the lower cost structure you know, in the merger. Right. And then those underlying shareholders, you point out, are still writing their 10-year holding period. It doesn't affect that at all. Is that right? That's correct. And then one of the things they could do if they wanted to get out early, they could exit, but obviously they would lose some of their OZ benefit. The other thing that they would get is they can also borrow against the stock. So if they need to, to take some money without violating the opportunity zone regulations, 
they can borrow against their stock, like just like any other publicly traded company, they can borrow against their stock and be able to withdraw some capital through a uh, through a loan. Gotcha. Back to shareholders, your investors, and the benefits of this structure to them. You mentioned liquidity that it's traded that they're able to transact any time. Is there enough transaction volume to be doing that? What's a typical transaction volume looking like for you? What do you anticipate it being? Yeah, so every day is a little bit different. It just depends on what's going on in that day, how many buyers and sellers there are out there. But you know, the market makers are are making a strong market. We have over half a dozen market makers that, that follow and trade the stock every day. Today, I think more than $2 million have traded today, and that was only the first half of the day. So I think on an average day, there's probably anywhere from a million to $5 million worth of, of stock that's traded. Which should be plenty for most individuals who want to either get in or get out, right? That's correct. Gotcha. Let's talk about deal flow into your fund. You mentioned earlier that you provide a way to acquire other OZ deals that have stabilized assets, acquiring other qualified opportunity funds. Essentially, what are you looking for in terms of other OZ deals? Yeah, so I think take a step back. Obviously, we're looking for sponsors who are looking to receive their their promote or carried interest in a much faster timeline. So a typical fund will take two years to build their property and then they're, they're forced to hold it for another, at least another eight more years. So we're looking for sponsors who are looking to be able to get their carried interest in a much faster timeline. You know, like I said, seven to eight years faster than they normally expected. So that's, we're providing that exit for those, for those sponsors. In the deals itself, we're looking, we definitely specialize and we're looking for 100 plus unit multifamily. We're looking for size. We're not looking for, for small transactions. We're looking for you know larger transactions. So, and obviously, like I said, because of Avalon Bay team, we're looking for uh, multifamily, either property that was renovated or property that was that was newly built and that qualifies as an opportunity zone fund. That's really the, the main what we're really looking for. We're looking for quality opportunity zone deals throughout the country. Very good. Well, Brandon, it's been a pleasure catching up with you today and uh, thanks for your insights and uh, some big news for your fun today, obviously. I do appreciate you joining us. Before we go, though, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and Bellpoint OZ? Yeah, so you just go to bellpointoz.com and uh, you can download the white paper that will give you some more information or you can reach out out to us by email or our phone number, which is, uh, again, at bellpointoz.com. You'll find all our information online. Fantastic. Appreciate that, Brandon. And for our listeners out there today, I will, as always, have show notes on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And there you'll find links to all of the resources that Brandon and I discussed on today's show. Brandon, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Have a good day. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit opportunitydb.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode. 